physical training, self-defense training, firearms training, situational awareness, and the warrior mindset. Welcome to the Condition One Podcast. This is a podcast. This world podcast. Welcome to the Condition One Podcast. This is a podcast where we'll be talking about being ready. We'll also be speaking to victim survivors of physical encounters, how they dealt with the aftermath physically, mentally, and spiritually. Welcome to the Condition One Podcast with me, your host, John Riddle. I'd like to thank our sponsor, the Crestwood Technology Group, CTG supplies the defense and aviation industries with critical parts and materials designed to keep fleets and systems operational, ready, and safe. Check out the Crestwood Technology Group at ctgnow.com. All right. James Guthrie, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Condition One podcast. How you been, sir? Hey, brother. Thanks for having me on. I certainly do appreciate it. You bet, man. Uh, James, you uh, earned a nickname. A few months, a few months back, uh, probably a little more than a few months ago now, uh, that you were a, uh, involved in a pretty harrowing experience uh, at your workplace. Um, I yep. want to get into that, uh, but first, uh, I want the listeners to get to meet you, to, to get to know James, uh, the the normal guy who uh, lives up in Central Florida, <laughs> and then we'll build up into uh, how how this uh, incident took place and how you became a survivor. Okay, most important thing. Um, to start off, uh, just an icebreaker. Uh, tell me, what, what is your normal routine through when you get up in the morning? When your feet hit the ground, what do you do? Yeah, so um, I'm married with kids and, and uh, you know, got a family and all. My wife is a quadriplegic in a wheelchair, so it's usually first thing in the morning I, I get up, um, take care of whatever she needs first thing in the morning, get her set up for the day, and then get about my routine as far as it varies from day to day depending on what activities I have going on, whether it's stuff for her, stuff for me, school, whatever is going on right now. It's summertime, so my kids does have school. So, um, But, yeah, the usual thing is get up, take care of her, make sure she's ready for the day, then, you know, get into whatever the day has to has to do or whatever I had to do for the day. I uh, used to be, I would try and fit in some, you know, some physical fitness and stuff first thing in the morning, but this attack, I injured my shoulder and my, my knee. And, um, and I've since, because of issues with my, my left arm, um, I've also since hurt my, um, my stomach. I have this weird thing they call a uh, recti dominus or I don't know something about basically my, my, abs my uh, abdominal muscles are, are pulling apart and all my, my insides are trying to push through the, the middle the middle of my stomach hmm. so they're trying to figure out how to fix that yeah it's it's horrible so i can't do anything that involves my core at all so okay. basically can't do much of anything yeah um so yeah so but yeah daily routine is just just one day at a time get up and try and do something <laughs> okay all right good for you man that's uh you know, life throws curveballs consistently at us, yeah. And and it's all how we take it. And me knowing 
a little bit about you, okay, uh, even before this podcast. Uh, you seem like uh, you're the type of guy that can take these curveballs and uh, still hit them out of the park and think nothing of it and do it with a smile on your face like you are right now. So that's, that's, that's fantastic, man. Uh, not many people around that can handle that, you know, handle everything that you're going through right now. Uh, yeah, you know, like I get down like everybody else, but uh, for me it's just uh, I, have, I have strong faith. I have strong faith in God, and, and I believe that, you know, all in all I'm going to pull through it. So I kind of – I do my best to try and be happy. Again, I get down like everybody else, but I just – I don't try and think long term. I just try and take it one day at a time. And one of the biggest things I have to say is, is, you know, a lot of people talk about tactics and all these things and they're going to be in, you know, if they're going to be involved, thinking scenarios about if I'm going to be involved in something, the one thing people don't think about is the after effects mentally, physically, this attack happened in February and here we are almost, almost August, you know, be August in a day. And, uh, and I'm still physically still can't do much. Sure. So, um, so it's a long, long recovery time. You know, I, I ended up with the posterior location of my left shoulder, tore some stuff in my, my left knee, um, jacked up my left elbow. You know, all these different things that happen from tussling around with somebody on a, on a hard surface. Um, yeah, so you got to keep in mind, like, you're a lot of times when something happens, even especially a violent attack like I was in, um, you're not just going to bounce back within a couple days, you know, so... If you are and then you don't, you can get a little discouraged. So you got to kind of keep that in mind. Yeah, it's funny how, uh, you know, with, with training, you know, we get bumps and bruises in training and it takes a couple of days to, uh, you know, start feeling better, right? And that's just, in base, that's just in basic training. James, you and I roll around on the mat and we're in the, you know, we're doing some things, we're training, we get bumped up and in a couple of days we feel better. But in the reality of it, like you've been through, uh, life and death situation, fighting for your life. Uh, you know, things start to tear, break, possibly. <laughs> and at that point in time, we don't even know it, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because the survival mechanism of the body kicks in, our body versus our, our, our brain kicks in, and we're, we go into that survival mode, right? I mean, I, I'm talking to you about it. Uh, which, which is uh, exactly why we're here today, right? So um, you grew up in Melbourne, Florida, right? So you're a Florida boy. So tell me about your growing up. How, how, how was that up in Melbourne? Pretty typical. Uh, you know, got up, went fishing. I, being in Melbourne, I wasn't far from the beach. My brother and I, we'd get on our bicycles, ride over to the beach, go surfing after school. You know, we'd go fishing. I was either spinner fishing or or playing some sort of sport every day after school. I was a pretty active kid. I uh, was raised, my, I mean, my, my parents, I was raised by my grandparents. My parents worked. So both my mom and dad worked two plus jobs, depending on, you know, what the needs of the family were. So um, they were hardly ever home. So our grandparents, the grandparents were old. And uh, my dad's mom was old school from West Virginia. My mom's mom's old school from New Orleans and, and not New well, not New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, close to New Orleans, just outside New Orleans and uh, Memphis, Tennessee. So country grandparents, you know, raised a country way. You weren't allowed to be in the house until the, until the street lights came on. You come home from school, do your homework, get the hell out. You know, so, <laughs> and uh, 
and my grandma would lock the door, man. You couldn't come in if you wanted to until <laughs> till the street lights came on. And uh, you drink it from the hose, you know, the kind of stuff they tell us not to do nowadays. Sure. But, um, but yeah, man, I loved it. You know, I, I loved growing up being active like that, you know, being outside all the time. Um, and then probably around, I don't know, eight or eight or nine, I started getting into martial arts. Uh, I never got like super serious, but I've done, I've studied uh, different types of martial arts over the years, you know, karate, taekwondo, uh, some jujitsu. Muay Thai. Uh, again, I, I never became like super proficient. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever seen the, the video of the attack, you can probably tell I'm not super, super proficient. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's uh, just a, you know, normal, normal Florida boy, man. I, I've wrestled gators. I've been on an airboat, you know, things that people from out of the state are like, what, who, who does stuff like that? Yeah, yeah I, I do. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. So growing up in Melbourne, uh, you decided to go into the military. So uh, what branch did you go into and what did you do there? Yeah, so uh, about a year after my daughter was born, uh, 19 years old, I became a father. And uh, a year, about a year after my daughter was born, I decided to join the Army. Uh, went in the Army, went to basic training, went to my tech school. I, became, I was an aircraft mechanic and then uh, went to jump school. Uh, got to my first duty station, and then while I was in Fort Hood, Texas, the towers were attacked, mm -hmm. and um, and then we, we all went on alert. And I was a part of a attached to an attack helicopter unit at the time, so um, they were they were part of the first groups to go over. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, multiple deployments over the years, being uh, you know, with the Middle East, but also into different countries attached different units was attached to the 160th for a little while um special operations aviation unit um but yeah I, i've done a lot of done a lot of crazy stuff had an excellent time absolutely love the military got hurt after being in for a little while um and was uh, was unable to it was something i wasn't going to recover from anytime soon it was gonna it was a long long time recovery so um they wanted me to, to change my MOS and I, I, my career, they wanted me to change my career field and I didn't want to change my career field. I absolutely loved it. So I got a little disgruntled. So, uh, I tried to fight it. They wouldn't let me stay in my career field. So I just went ahead and opted for the, uh, medical board, got a medical discharge and, uh, been trying to figure out what I want to do when I grew up ever since. Yeah. Me and you both. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so, what are you doing now? What's your what's your uh, time consist of today as far as employment? I work for a staffing company. Uh, so when this attack happened, I work for a staffing company. Um, we do day labor staffing, like uh, daily work, daily pay for construction sites. So these guys will come in. We open up at five o'clock in the morning. They'll come in. They get they put their name on a list, and uh, however however much work we have is how many people we can put out for the day. And we just we get them to work and they go they do their job do anything from sweeping floors on a skilled labor like framing and stuff like that okay all right but uh that's like i said that's where i was when this attack happened okay so the day labor um uh, and and you're you're taking these people out to their job sites um you go back and you pick them up bring them back to yeah pretty much back to hq yeah usually right? Yeah, usually how it works is they come in the office, they'll sign in. Mm -hmm. We get them 
signed up on a job, um, a lot of times we'll have, you know, we might have 120 people come in and, and maybe only have 100 jobs. So then, you know, wow. 20 people are going to be out. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. But we do the best we can to try and get everybody to work. Um, and so, but anyway, so we we put the guys in a van. The van drives them off to the job site. They they do whatever it is the supervisor needs them to do for the day. And then at the end of the day, we go and pick everybody up, bring them back to the office, get them paid out, and they go home. Okay. So on this particular day, uh, let's get to the, to, uh, to the issue at hand. On this particular day, you get up in the morning, you go through your normal morning routine. Uh, and it's funny, but, you know, everybody gets up, they go out, and they start to do their morning routine. And we never know what's going to happen throughout the day. You know, it, it's, it's a thing where, I mean, you know, we kind of assume – all right, we're going to have a normal day, you know, it's, a, it's another day, it's a Monday or it's Friday, you know, and, and it's, yep. uh, you know, ho-hum thing, right? And then yeah. James gets up, he gets, he gets uh, you take care of your wife, your kids, and you head out the door. Uh, you show up to work, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you tell the story now from uh, you showing <laughs> up to work, because uh, I've seen the video. Uh, I've heard, and of course I've heard your story before, but it's just, uh, I get the chills just listening to it and look, looking at the video, uh, the same thing, man. It's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. The video is really violent, man. Like the, if you watch the video, um, you'll see like in, in the first couple seconds of the attack, like I have my back and we'll, and we'll get to it, but, Mm -hmm. but I have my back to when the, when the attacker comes in and starts attacking. So what initially happens, the first thing you see in that video that everybody's been showing around, um, the first thing that you see, I never saw that until I saw the video. I didn't even know sure. that happened. I, in my head, I remember something different. You know, um, so, so when I saw the video and I saw that, I was like, oh, my. You know, I had the same reaction everybody else did. I was like, holy cow. Yeah. But what's, what's really crazy is I just got awarded um, a good citizenship award from the Orlando – uh, so I live in Orlando, Florida, um, from the Orlando Police Department here. Uh, the the chief of police gave me an award, and so when I went when I went up on stage to get the award, they never told me. They showed the video. They're like, "Yeah, congratulations, blah blah." And here's the video, and then they just start playing it. And like, oh wow! <laughs> and, and there was kids. There was like little kids in the audience, and I was like, "Whoa, you're not even going to be like, hey, uh, warning, like it's super graphic sure. because I mean that thing starts out." falls to the wall man yeah. and like yeah. yeah it's pretty violent and i was just like wow i can't believe they showed this thing and i'm just standing there smiling like hey guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but um but anyway um so just to back up a little bit so like that morning we talk about morning routine so that morning i got i got up and i was actually what i normally am supposed to do is I go into the office and I, I basically do like dispatch work first thing in the morning. Get the guys set up, get them on a job, get all guys loaded up in the van, make sure my van drivers get them out to where they're supposed to be on time, like all these things. So um, that's what I'm supposed to do on a daily basis. However, that particular day, I had to um, fill in for a van driver. So I had my one of my coworkers was doing the dispatch duty. And I was driving one of the vans because I had a van driver that was out with COVID. So um, I have a service dog who is also protection trained and all that stuff. And she normally would go to work with me. 
that day, since I was driving the van, I decided I was going to leave her at home because a lot of these guys are, you know, they're weary around dogs and stuff like that, which I totally understand. Not everybody's a dog person. So I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna leave my dog at home. So I'm getting dressed, putting everything on. I know I'm going to be sitting all day because I'm going to be in this van. And for me, because I have a belly, um, for me, it's uncomfortable to sit appendix carry. Um, and yeah, I could modify you. We talk about like, you talk about going through the motions every day and things not happening. You know, like we, we have to continue to remind ourselves that just because I didn't get attacked by somebody today doesn't mean I won't be attacked by somebody tomorrow. Right. Absolutely. So, but we get comfortable not nothing happening, you know? So mm -hmm. we go, Oh, well maybe I don't need to carry my gun or maybe I don't need to carry my pocket knife or whatever it is that, and, and the days that we don't carry it, right. That's the day that something happens, you know? So, sure. um, that morning I got up and I'm, and I'm like, well, I'm gonna be sitting down all day. It's uncomfortable. I'm not going to bring my gun. You know? So, so I leave the house. I'm dogless. I'm gunless. Um, planning on driving the van all day i get to my get to my van get loaded up get ready to pull out of my driveway and i was like you know what never mind let me go back and get my gun so i go back inside grab my gun i put it on and i and i go to work i get there i load everybody up in the van i take them all to work so by 7 30 or so everybody most people are at work now i'm the only thing i have left to do for the day pick everybody up from work so Normally, I would just go home because I don't have anything I, don't think I need to do at the office because that's what my coworkers do. Right? She's taking care of all that stuff because I was just driving for the day. So normally I would just go straight to the house. I would never have gone back to the office. But I was like, you know what? I need to go swing back by the office just to you know, just check on things, see how everybody's doing, you know. So I was thinking about calling. I was like, well, I'll call because where I was at, where I dropped the last guys off early – five minutes from that you know mm -hmm. so it's way easier just to go home because i'm sure. five minutes from my house or 35 minutes from my work which is away from my house so it's not even yeah. in the same direction so i'm like hey why not go home but anyway so i was like well i'm gonna call and knowing what i know now after talking to my coworker, she was like i'm glad you didn't call because if you would have called i would have told you go ahead and go home because there's there was no reason for you to come back to the office so um, I didn't call. I went ahead and went, went to the office. And about six minutes after I got there, this guy came in. So uh, if, if, if anybody's seen the video, they, everybody, one of the biggest, biggest things everybody wonders is, is where was our situational awareness? Why do we not see this guy come in? Now, how many, let me interrupt you off, for a minute. Let me interrupt you for yeah. one second. How many people are in the office at this point? So inside the office, there was three. Outside the office, we had uh, one driver and two of our, our normal workers. They were outside, like in a little uh, city that we have outside with picnic tables. Okay. Perfect. So, um, yes. Yeah, so this gentleman walks in. He walks in with a backpack in his hand. Everybody assumes that uh, he comes in just holding a machete, and everybody's like, well, why didn't you see him? Well, this guy that, that – attacked us he um he's he's been he would been going to work for us for almost eight months every day great worker uh i've talked to him multiple times uh had always had good conversations with him never had issues with him he's always got great reports from all the the supervisors and everything he ever worked for 
They always want him to come back. He just was a, a good dude until this day. Maybe he had a bad day. I don't know. I don't know. Pretend to know anybody's frame of mind, but um, yeah. So he came in, hold a backpack, which 100% of these guys do because most of them, <laughs> their entire life's in their backpack. Sure. Um, so he walks in, walks up to the counter. We're like, hey, Bill, how's it going? And we go about our business waiting for him to say something. So I walk up to a board. I'm filling out a driver's board, which puts my back to everybody else. And the next thing I know, I hear this bang that I that was so loud. It, it sounded like a bat hitting a baseball, just that crack. And I thought it was somebody slamming the door to, to our back office area. So I turn around thinking, like, who the heck is slamming my door? And when I turn around, I see this dude standing there behind my coworker. She's bent over the counter. The machete at this at this moment, the machete's not in his hand because he had just hit her with it. So what had happened for people who haven't seen the video is he comes in the door around the counter, brings the machete up and just swings down. He's trying to take her head off. I mean, he just swings down as hard as he can. Sorry, give me one second. Mm-hmm. My my dog's in here. I'm trying to get her. <laughs> trying to get her to lay down because if she bumps my table, all my stuff will go crazy. Sorry about that, bud. That's all right. Um, knock it off. Anyway, so um, yeah, so he's trying to he's trying to take her head off. I mean, he swings for the fences, man. And luckily, as he's swinging, the machete turns in his hand, and so it hits her flat instead of hitting her with the blade. And when it hit her flat, it hit her so hard it bent the machete blade like i mean straight up like from this to like that it was crazy hmm. and that was the actual that was the crack i heard i heard was the, the thing slapping her in the back of the neck that's how hard he hit her wow and his hand comes off the machete and so he has to re-grab the machete so he reaches for it and as he reaches for it she's reaching back she's like what the heck is going on he pulls the machete up and it severs the artery in her wrist so she starts shooting blood across the room mm-hmm. freaking out and takes off running at the same time at that split second i had turned around right as all that was happening or right after the hit and he's reaching for it i had turned around and i see him and i'm like we talk about going through you know some people call it like the ooda loop and, and all these right. things like mm-hmm. well one thing that I've learned over the years with, with psychology, when we see things and we're trying to analyze like what's going on, you know, you have that, that time frame it takes for mm-hmm. you to process the information you're seeing, all these things. But a lot, so a lot of people are like, well, dude, you need to work on your reaction time. But one of the things that people don't understand is, so you have your set amount of reaction time, you can train it all you want. But then if I take a, a, whatever whatever scenario you're working right so if i take and i put a dummy in front of you and i'm like okay work your reaction time this is what happens and then i take that dummy out and i put somebody that you know standing there in front of you now we've increased the amount of time it takes for you to to react because your brain's trying to process like i know this person like is mm-hmm. this is this really happening like mm-hmm. first off you're going is this violent thing really happening because you're just not like your brain doesn't work that way. It's like, wow, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Sure. And then you're going, wait, I know this guy. This is not how this person normally reacts. What's going on here? And all this so, is happening. How fast? Yeah. You know? And like, and right? and you've got to get that ball rolling because you're like, mm-hmm. whoa, like you're going from a calm state. Everything's cool. It's not like it's not like you were just yelling and screaming at each other, you know. So you're not even 
like ready for this. So you're going from he's already a hundred miles an hour and you're starting at zero. Sure. And you're you gotta try and catch up. Catch you know? up right? So uh yeah, so like I appendix carry. Uh, that day I had a Springfield XD9, which the police department still has. So if anybody has contacts at Springfield, I could use another pistol. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, I always got to throw that out there, man. You never know. Somebody might call me. Because <laughs> so, I tried going to the police department. I'm like, can you guys at least put some oil on that thing? Because, I mean, man, it's going to be a, a rust pile by the time I get it. Sure. <laughs> so, but um, anyway, uh, so I had this Springfield XD9. It's got a backstrap safety on it, mm-hmm. um, but I, I appendix carry. So I see this going on. I go real quick. My brain. All right. So do I close the distance and attack? I have a pistol. Do I pull my pistol? Like, what do I do? So um, for me, this was a Tuesday. The Thursday before this, I had just got released to go back to work after having COVID and like a really bad case of it. it's the sickest I've ever been in my entire life. I was bedridden for two weeks. I barely had the strength to get out of bed to go pee. Um, and I had just come back to work from that. So okay. I was still in this like flu fog. Sure. That, you know, and, yeah. and, and that was that was kind of slowing me down. Plus, I was super weak. Um, not to mention, I got to give the guy credit where credit is due. The dude 6'3". And on my best day, he was still stronger than I was. Like construction worker all day long. He was a he was a, a tough guy. Yeah. And um, so he was about six, <clears throat> seven feet away from me. Uh, he covered that distance in two strides. It was pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So all of this is going through my head, and I'm like, dude, I I'm not. I'm probably not going to be able to get this guy in a, a physical confrontation shoot him you got a gun that's what it's for shoot him so i also know that you know uh it's not like the movies you shoot a guy in a big toe and he falls on the ground and and every yay you're the hero like so i know even if i put five rounds in this guy's chest he's probably still gonna attack me mm-hmm. like there's a good possibility of that um so <clears throat> My mind wasn't thinking, draw the pistol, get on target. Like, my body's already doing that because I've done it so many times. Uh, but what my mind was thinking was, all right, this dude's going to attack you. He's got a machete. He's going to hit you with that machete. You need to be prepared for that and understand that you're going to get hit by a machete. Like, the key is, where are you going to take that hit, right? So, like, that's what's going through my head. Um, and I'm like, okay, not the head and not the neck. You don't want to do head, neck, face, any of that. Mm-hmm. I, so I'm right-handed. So the pistol's in my right hand. So I decided to give up my left arm, um, knowing that even with a really hardcore chop to my arm, I still could, you know, possibly continue fighting, which was, which was the goal if I had to. Um, so he's coming at me because as soon as I start to draw the pistol, he sees I'm drawing a pistol. And he looks right at me and he's like, I'm going to kill you. And he's coming right at me. And he just keeps saying, I'm going to kill you over and over and over again. And uh, so the machete's up in the air. He's bringing it down. I have the pistol out. Get one shot off, which goes wide. And then I get a second shot off, which, as the arm's coming down, goes through his form and, and blows out the forearm. Okay, now let, um, me, let me interrupt you for a second here. Yep. Okay, so yeah. you're... You, 
you're drawn from your appendix. Gun comes up. Yep. He's moving towards you. You fired two rounds. Yeah. Now, what distance is he at this point when you started your engagement with the firearm? <laughs> All right. So when I put the pistol and got the first shot off, he was probably six feet away. Six feet. The second shot, <clears throat> yeah, he, he was pretty close. The, the second shot, I, I probably could have, if I, because I was kind of, I was leaning back. So it's really hard to explain without seeing the video, but mm-hmm. my coworker, so all this happened, like, like I'm telling it to you, but mm-hmm. I, like it all happens at one time. So, sure. so sure. she reaches back, gets cut. He turns and looks at me. I'm drawing the pistol. He starts to engage. She turns and goes to run away, uh-huh. but she runs between me and him. Gotcha. Right? So as I'm drawing, and that's all while I'm drawing the pistol, right? So in order to keep from hitting her with my pistol as I'm bringing it up and possibly, like, losing the gun because now my arm gets knocked out or whatever the case may be, like, in order to get rounds on target... I have to kind of back a little bit, right? So that on one hand kind of saves me, but on the other hand destabilizes my platform. So that's why my first shot is pulled mm-hmm. because I get over her so I don't hit her. So first shot gets pulled, second shot levels out a bit, and I was aiming for his chest, but he, he kind of jukes. Right as I pull the trigger, he kind of jukes to the side, and so it ends up hitting him in the forearm. Um, but, uh, so by that time, if I had been standing straight up, I probably could have touched him with the pistol. He was that close wow. on the second shot. Yeah. So, um, and then it was literally right after I pulled the trigger on the second shot, that the machete came down to hit me. But when you see the video, mm-hmm. like, because I'm leaning back, I'm off balance. Sure. And I try to slide. I try to slide my white right foot back to to widen my stance mm-hmm. so I could rebalance myself. Unfortunately, there's a laundry basket right at my feet, and when I slid my foot back, I tangle up in the basket and end up falling down, which saves my arm because as he's bringing the machete, I I initially thought that he hit me with the machete as he was bringing it down initially. Mm-hmm. What actually happens when you slow the video down and watch it, he hits the wall with the machete. So he misses me because I fell. Wow. Um, yeah. So I hit the ground. And at that point, I'm like, dude, I got to get up. I, I can't I can't have this guy with a machete on top of me. Like he's got all the all the advantage at that point, even though I, I still have a pistol in my hand. But um, but I'm like, yeah, I, I got to get to my feet. So I start scrambling at the same time. I'm trying to get the pistol on target so I can get some more shots off. But unfortunately, I have the Springfield XD9. So it's got a backstrap safety on it. Now, anybody who's ever shot a pistol, there's multiples of them out there that have a backstrap safety on it. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that if you don't have that real firm yep. grip, you're going to get shot off. Right. So the problem with a pistol with a backstrap safety, for the people that don't know, is, is if you imagine your, your wrist and your elbow in a straight alignment, if I tweak that alignment so if i turn my hand in or i try Mm -hmm. to turn my hand out to do an angled shot or whatever right i no longer have a firm 
grip on that backstrap back safety. Straps. So that's yeah. what's happening. So whereas with a, let's say, example, Glock 19, I can literally tweak my wrist as far as it can go in mm -hmm. and still get a shot off because it's all right in the trigger. So um, I'm trying to, to – I'm vying for position so I can keep that straight alignment between my wrist and elbow while getting that pistol pushed into basically pointing at his chest so I can just start pulling off rounds as, as fast as I can. Um, unfortunately, I never get that good angle, so I can never get that, that shot off. Um, so now at this point, I'm scrambling. I'm on my knees. He's still on his feet kind of over top of me. He's got the machete in his hand, so I've got my left arm on his hand, on his wrist, trying to keep him from cutting me with the machete. Okay, so real quick, when he slams into me, right, so as I'm falling, he slams into me. What happens is he brings his knee up into my shoulder, my left shoulder, which dislocates hmm. my left shoulder out the back. But when I hit the wall, it pops it back in. I didn't even know this happened. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I didn't even know this happened. Um, but you you can see it on the video. Um, if you can like zoom in and, and you play it real slow. But anyway, it it's gnarly. Like yeah. it it uh, it tore my whole shoulder, made it so like my left arm was basically unusable like i had i didn't have a lot of strength in it mm -hmm. so i'm trying to keep him from cutting me with the machete with my left hand got the pistol on my right tussling with him trying to get a good angle he's got his free hand on my on my right wrist trying to keep the pistol away from him um and again give credit where credit's due he's overpowering me like there's like there's no uh there's no tomorrow i, I just don't have it in me mm -hmm. and um and so at that point i'm scared because i'm like I have a gun, but like I have no, I, I, can't, I can't. It's not effective at the moment because he's way stronger than I am. He's winning, sure. you know. So, um, and at some point during that tussle, he ends up the the machete has on the backside of it. It's like this little hook blade, and mm -hmm. just swinging that thing around, it ends up sliding up and it hits me in my wrist and just fillets my wrist open. But I don't even notice that <clears throat> until the fight's over. Uh, my adrenaline's pumping. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying not to die. Um, cause he's, he keeps saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And, um, so as we're tussling, I don't know how it happens. I, I still, even on the video, I can't see how it happens, but at some point the pistol comes out of my hand. Did you get a stoppage at all in the, in the firearm? Did after I get a what? A stoppage after the second round went off. Did it, did it double feed? Did it stove yeah. pipe? So. At the end of the fight, I realized this, but more than likely, after that second shot, the the pistol comes out of battery for some reason. Mm -hmm. I, I don't I don't know how. I'm just I'm, I'm just guessing that. Mm -hmm. um, it could have it could have come out of battery when it hit the when it hit the floor. I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened, but um, after the fight was over, you'll me like I have to I have to like clear the pistol and, and all that stuff um and i'm trying to do it handed because my left arm isn't working after the fight so like you, in in the video clip that's circling around the internet you don't see it because it's a smaller shorter clip but in the full clip you can see me actually like clear the pistol and belt and all the other stuff because i again i gotta do it one-handed because i can't use my left arm so um yeah it, it actually it has some sort of again i can't remember in my head it had some sort of jam Mm -hmm. or, or it just came out of battery or, or whatever, whatever was wrong with it. it. It wasn't working. 
Okay. Um, but um, but at that time I didn't know sure. that that was the case. So you're a little busy. The gun hits the floor. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little busy. <laughs> got, I got a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the uh, the gun hits the floor. He dives on it, mm. and now I'm like, oh crap! Like I don't have anything. He's got the machete. He's now laying over top of the of the pistol. I'm like, ah, so I'm in, I'm, you know, I'm in panic mode. I'm, I'm trying to like still control the guy and he comes up a machete in one hand, pistol in the other. And he points my pistol right in my face. And so I'm looking down the barrel of my gun, still assuming that it's going to fire. Maybe it was going to, maybe it wasn't going to, but, um, so of course, like for a split second, and I, I'm on my knees. He's still on his. He's on his feet. He's got the gun pointed right at my face. I'm looking down the barrel, and um, my brain just goes, "All right, dude." You know, we have that inner monologue. My brain's just like, "All right, dude, this is it. You're done." He's gonna pull that trigger, shoot you in the face. You're not gonna live through that. You're dead. You're not gonna see your family again, your friends, your 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 wife, your kids, all that stuff. Um, like that's literally what I'm hearing in my head and uh and and I tell everybody to be entirely honest like you know I believe in God and I and I'm saved and and uh I believe that when I die I'm gonna go to heaven um so I'd be entirely honest there was a split second when I kind of just melted into that and I was like okay well here it is let's go ahead and get this over with Mm -hmm. and go on to the next ride you know so uh and I was I was ready for it because I felt like it was over, you know, he won. Um, and then, and then I had my, where, uh, my moment where God actually spoke to me and, you know, people can believe what they want. And I choose to believe what I believe, which is God. Literally, I heard God's voice and he spoke to me. And I say that because I heard a voice in my head. That was not me. I've gone 40 years hearing my voice and, and I know what that sounds like. And this was not mine. So, um, it was just this strong, like a bolt of lightning came through my entire body. And I just heard this voice just yell. And it was like, no, do not give up. If he kills you, he's going to take that gun and he's going to go kill other people with it. You can't let that happen. You're the only person that can win this fight. So get in there, keep fighting. And at the same time, like, it's hard to explain but I felt like before I heard this voice, I felt like I had no energy left in my body. Like I was done. I, I had used up what I had. And I was just that's part of the reason why I was like, all right, well, let's go. You know, because I like I felt like I didn't have any more left. But when I when I heard that voice, I got so much of my strength back. My left arm started working again. Like all this stuff that I just cannot explain how it happened, happened. And hmm. so. And it was all in a fraction of a second. So it looks like I don't even skip a beat in the video. But I'm telling you, to me, that entire conversation, it was like time stopped because that entire conversation was like minutes long. Hmm. Um, and so I parry the pistol so that if he does get a shot off, it you know it goes past my head. And then I just drive into the guy and I'm doing the best I can. Just, I'm just like, dude, just get in there. Do whatever you can. Work whatever you can work. Um out of that the pistol falls out of his hand it's the floor he's still got the machete at that point i'm like i'm gonna get us away from this pistol 
So now I've only got to deal with the guy with the machete and not worry about a pistol. Mm -hmm. So I pull us away from the wall. And, and then in the video, that's kind of when we come out, we go out of the middle of the, of the floor of the office. And then, um, I, like my, those shoes were just really bad shoes, man. I, I don't recommend those shoes if you're going to be in a fist fight. So like I was, every time I tried to get to my feet, my feet just kept slipping out from underneath me. I was like, man, why can't I get a footing? Mm -hmm. Um, so I was doing all this work I was doing, I was doing from my knees, man. I just like, but, uh, I was actually kind of proud of myself. I, I never, I haven't done a lot of, um, trying to fight from my knees. Like who does that? So, but I, I was actually able to, to keep up pretty good. Um, but yeah, once I pulled us away from the wall at that point in my head, I'm like, dude, I, I knew the alarm was going off. So I knew the cops were coming. Mm -hmm. So I knew it was just a matter of <clears throat> minutes the cops would get there and my my thought was do bear hug this guy just hold on to this guy give him give you know just as tight as you can the cops will show up they'll split us up and they'll take care of it you know so um that's that's at that point that's i was like okay that's what i'm gonna do if i can't win the fight i'm just gonna hold on to the guy and keep him there until the cops get there right so um we roll out onto the floor he still has the the advantage as far as he's still on his feet i'm on my knees and all I'm trying to do is just work a clinch, you know, just keep him in close because then he can't do much with the machete. I mean, I'll get little cuts here and there, but which I did. I ended up with tons of little cuts on my arms and back and because he's just like whacking at me like this. <laughs> sure. But um, so I'm working a clinch and, and just trying to keep him in close. So he doesn't have a lot of range with the machete. And you know, I just uh, I see a, I see a point when we can go to the ground. I've jujitsu. I I was a combatives instructor for the army. So we, that's a lot of that's Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And plus I've trained in Jiu Jitsu a little while. So I felt confident on my back. So I just pull the guy into me and, and start doing some back work. I get the machete from him. It hits the floor. Once the machete comes out of his hand, like once I hit my back and I'm able to pull him in, the machete hits the floor all at the same time. It's the first time during this entire fight that I'm looking the guy right in the eyes. And again, I'm a spiritual guy. When I looked this dude in the eyes, it mm -hmm. did not seem human. Like the pupils, and you could sit there and say, well, he was on drugs, whatever. I don't I, say whatever you want, but the pupils were massive. It was nothing. The eyes were nothing but pupils, man. Mm -hmm. And it just, there was an inhuman look in this guy that I just, I'll never forget. And, um, and like I said, he, he kept saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And I've had multiple conversations with this guy and the voice even sounded different. So, um, I look at this dude in the eye and I'm like, wow, man, I, I, I literally felt like I was fighting a demon and I look at him, the machete hits the floor. He's, he's now trying to choke me because once the machete comes out of his hand, the only thing he can think of is choking me. So he takes one hand and puts it on my neck. But instead of like getting the whole neck and trying to choke somebody with, with your hand around their entire neck, he puts his hand like on the side of my neck and takes his thumb and starts pushing it on my one one of my arteries, you know, my broader artery in my neck, like sure. the thumb, like, mm -hmm. ah, thinking he's going to choke me out like that. And I've been choked out a lot. You know, I've done jujitsu so i've been choked out a lot i'm like i'm like that's not gonna work dude you can't choke me out like that i can sit like this all day mm -hmm. and so i remember thinking that and that made me laugh like out loud 
So I start laughing and it, and it goes like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to kill you. And like, I got super serious. Like in that moment when I laughed, everything clicked. As soon as I laughed out loud, my brain flipped a switch and I knew I was going to win the fight. Like at that moment, I was like, I'm going to win. He's lost. I, I am definitely going to win this fight no matter what. He has definitely lost. I already knew it. I don't know how. It just it, it it's just this overall overwhelming feeling I got. Sure. And um and it was really weird because like I said, I'm looking this dude in the eye and I like and I'm like, I'm gonna kill you. And when I said that, his eyes, the pupils go right back to normal. And it's like this demon I was fighting just left. It was like, all right, this this dude's too much, I'm out. And um his his eyes go back to normal. You all now you see fear in his eyes. He's like panicking, and he looks up. And now I know. At the time, I didn't know this. I thought he was looking up, like looking for another weapon to attack me with, because we have a counter right there with printers and stuff on it. Sure. I thought he was gonna like jump up and grab a printer and, and smash me with a printer. Like that's where my brain's going. Mm -hmm. And um, and so like, he looks up, and what he's what he's doing is he saw the door open. He saw the open door, and he was looking for an out. He's like, I'm, I'm out of this. I, I don't want this fight anymore. Sure. And so he goes to jump off me. I take my feet and I push into his brawl with my feet to kind of launch him into the air because I want to make it create as much distance between us as I can. Yeah. So I can get on my feet. And now I'm like, we're going to do this, man. Like, so um, I hop up. And as I'm coming up, I grab the machete on the, on the ground because, again, I think he's grabbing some sort of weapon. Mm -hmm. And then I see that he's running out the door. Well, at the same time, my coworker had ran out the door. So he's right behind her. And I'm like, oh, man, he's going back her, right? Yeah. So because, I, I mean, obviously in the video, you can definitely tell in the video his intent when he came into that office was to kill her. Mm -hmm. he, he went right past another coworker of mine, right to her, beelined right to her to chop her head off with a machete. Mm. I mean, it's very evident the intent in that video. Um, so I, th I was, my, my brain goes, Oh dude, he's trying, he's going to go after her. He's going to try and attack her right there in the lobby. So I tossed the machete, go over, pick up my pistol, pull it up, get the sights on target. The reality is he pushes her out of the way so he can get out the door and keep sure. on running. Yeah. So, um, so I was like, okay, well at that point I noticed that the, um, the pistol the slide's not all the way forward on the pistol. So I'm like, mm -hmm. oh crap, I gotta I gotta clear this thing. So then I go into the, trying to clear it. I can't, my left arm has now stopped working it, because of the, the what happened to the shoulder. It just, like I, I can barely move my left arm. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm trying to pop the magazine out, clear the slide and all that. I'm doing it all with my belt. I get everything reset, get it, get it reloaded. Um, and then I go out clear the parking lot, make sure he's not still in the parking lot, make sure the parking lot's clear. He doesn't have any buddies, not coming back again. He's, he's taken off down the street. Um, and then I start barking orders. Then I go into medical mode. I reholster the pistol, go into medical mode. Um, the, the guys that were sitting outside, they're like, Holy cow. We heard gunshots. Like, so I was like, Hey, call 911. You do this, you do that. And then, you know, I'm pouring blood out there. It was just a, for me, it was just a, just, just superficial 
no tendons, no ligaments, mm-hmm. no arteries, no nothing, but it was a bleeder like crazy. Um, now my coworker, she had the arterial bleed. So I'm trying to not having access to a tourniquet, which in hindsight was a stupid, stupid thing to happen for somebody like me. Um, but, uh, not having access to a tourniquet we're doing the best we could with some sweaters and t-shirts and mm-hmm. trying to wrap everybody up uh there was a third co-worker in the office when the attack happened so i'm looking around and i'm like where's my third co-worker and uh we couldn't find her so i was like oh man hopefully she didn't take us a, a stray round and is you know dead in one of the offices i was terrified that that had happened so i go running through the office, looking under desks and everything, yelling out her name. Come to find out when the attack happened, like she took off running and ran next door and she was the one that initially called the police. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so ambulance comes, the, the cops come, they, I still had the pistol on me. Uh, I love telling people how the cops handled it because especially nowadays when people want to say, you know, how horrible cops are and they shoot first, ask questions later. I had, with the situation that happened, because I know what that phone call said to the to the police. They said, there's gunshots. <laughs> People sure. have been shot, blah, mm-hmm. blah. So these cops are coming into, they know there's a gun there, right? So they had every right to come up, I mean, ready for action. Sure. And, and to their credit, they pulled in with level head. They saw us standing outside. They asked, they asked us what happened. Um, if, if we had been shot and I said, no, I'm the one with the gun. And he goes, do you have the gun on you now? I said, yes, sir, I do. And I had my arms up like this because I was trying to stop the bleeding, you know. So, but I kept my arms up also because I have a pistol on me and I'm in front of the police. Sure. So, um, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I appendix gets it's under my t-shirt. He goes, well, can I grab it from you? I said, yes, sir. Just be careful if there's a round in the chamber. He said, okay, got it, man. So he pulls it out, he clears it, puts it in his car. He goes, do you have any other weapons on you? I said, I have a pocket knife in my pocket. He goes, look, dude, I'm just gonna take it. You'll be able to pick it up at the police station. When you go to the hospital, they'll take it from you, and they may not give it back. He's mm-hmm. like, you, with us, if I take it, you can pick it up at the police station. I'm like, sure, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. So he takes my pocket knife from me, um, and and then they start administering aid. They put a throw a tourniquet on my coworker, um, and then I just just because I like I was putting so much pressure on that wound that I had, like, and I couldn't get it to even slow down mm-hmm. bleeding. So I, I asked them to put a tourniquet on me. So they slapped a tourniquet on me and then the ambulance came and took us away to the trauma center. Now, let me ask you, uh, he shot, the woman's got an arterial bleed. You're bleeding. How did that yeah. affect, how did that, that trifecta there, how did that affect your combatives when you were fighting with this guy? Yeah, like that's one of the things. So, so when you look at my shoes, there's blood all over my shoes. Like, like I still have the shoes mm-hmm. to this day, and uh, they're actually they're a great pair of running shoes. Um, but uh, there's blood all over the shoes. So when I sit there and say like I couldn't get traction in hindsight, it's probably because there was blood on my shoes. Sure. I mean, because blood was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to tell in the video. It looks like I mean, you see blood hit the floor in the video, but. You, you just don't see there's so much blood like it was all over the place mm-hmm. um and uh yeah it just like it, it made gripping things um trying to hold on to things uh just 
just in general, it, it was, it was tough it, again. Cause it's everywhere, you know? And, uh, sure. when I got, I actually, I burned that shirt and pants because they were done for, like there was so much blood on them. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, between the two of us. So, um, yeah, it was, it was not, it was not an easy thing. Um, going back to that office after everything happened, even after the cleaners came through, there mm-hmm. still was just massive, big, you could, I mean, you can clean carpets all you want, but you're never going to get that stain. No, you're you know, never going to get that out, out of the carpet. Exactly. Yeah, and so like, there's just these big puddles, stain puddles, like in all the all the different offices and stuff. Because I was running through them, trying to find my coworker. Sure. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was it was everywhere. <laughs> yeah. How did um, how did the uh, lady make out uh, that was hit with the machete? Uh, I mean, so just so everybody knows. Everybody's alive. He, he's in jail, um, awaiting trial right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, trial's supposed to be, I, I was told trial's going to be sometime next month, uh, sometime oh, in okay. August, I think like the second week of August or something. Mm-hmm. So we'll be dealing with that. Because, um, of course, he's pleading not guilty. And then during pre-trial, they said that uh, they're trying to find out if he's mentally competent to stand trial. So Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So we all know how that works, but sure. uh, so we're trying to see how we're trying to see how that goes. But um, yeah, it's just uh, sorry, I got off on a little a little rabbit trail. My my brain's off. No, that's okay. Again? The, no, I was yeah. just asking how she was, how she made out. Uh, yeah, you know, and you said everything. Oh, so uh, she again. So it severed the artery in her her right wrist. Mm-hmm. Uh, also severed tendons and some ligaments and stuff. It was a pretty deep. It was a significant cut and uh they were able to reattach the artery they got all that fixed that that day um in surgery mm-hmm. and uh she can use her hand unfortunately still to this day she can't really use her right thumb now okay. they said that may come back online later or she may have to have surgery again to try and fix some stuff in there gotcha. the other thing is that blunt force trauma that she received the neck from the <clears throat> machete um she i mean it hit her flat, so of course, you know, it, it only had minor cuts on her head that that they had to stitch up. But, um, but it hit so hard that it actually jacked up her um, cervical spine. So now she's got these insane migraines that she has to go with that sure. they're trying to figure out how to how to fix now. So, but um, all in all, it's it's tough. Mm-hmm. I talk to her all the time. Uh, okay. We stay we stay in contact pretty frequently but uh all in all it's it's tough but you know thank thanks to god we're alive so yes how uh, you know and just for, for the last question here um how has the incident affected you personally physically yeah and also spiritually? that's one of my biggest yeah that's one of my biggest things um that i like to talk to people about so just a little bit about me real quick i been deployed <clears throat> You know, to multiple deployments to the desert, I've seen a lot of really crazy stuff. I, I've seen dead bodies. I've, mm-hmm. I've been in combat. Um, you know, all these, all these things that, I guess you're like normal, average person wouldn't wouldn't go through. Sure. Um, but what I, the, what I try to explain to people, and only people that have been in very traumatic situations can understand this. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's a certain mindset you have when 
when you're a police officer, when you're military and you're deployed and, 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 and stuff like that, there's a certain mindset you have where when you see traumatic things like that, it's almost like it, it's filed differently in your head. Oh yeah. Like it's still traumatic, Sure. but it's, it's just like, you're ready for it, you know? So you're kind of, you're already on edge and, and I think it's filed in your memory. It, it, it's differently, you know, the way you process it and deal with it and all that stuff. It, it's different. You know, I, I I'm not saying I don't have things that I'm dealing with from the memory. It's just how I feel about those things feels different than how I feel about this. So with this, I was at, work at a job that's not supposed to be like this like i'm you know i don't i'm not supposed to have to go through something like this you know um so as far as like in my brain like how i'm dealing with it it's extremely traumatic like i'm 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 having issues with it like it is what it is mm-hmm. um but I'm, I'm working through it like the key is to to understand that that's normal right so mm-hmm what what i keep trying to tell people is people the, the people that commit suicide and stuff they just most of the time it's it's either because they can't get help for whatever reason like there's just like you know, we talk about veterans um not being able to get help through the va quick enough to and they end up committing suicide or they or they just don't seek help and then they get overwhelmed sure the key is we have to know one that feeling that way is normal but there's no app normal about it you're not there's nothing wrong with you because you are emotional about something you know so um that you're having issues dealing with something that's a normal human like reaction to anything mm-hmm. and um and you can sit there all day and be like well man i i'm traumatized over a car accident like i Feel like a boat because like all these people are getting shot at and they're dealing everybody's different man like you may be the guy that almost got hit by a car crowd and that may be the the the, the traumatic incident for you right? mm-hmm. like if that's what it is it is what it is it's a normal thing to feel traumatized by stuff you know we're all different as far as what's going to tra- traumatize us sure the key is when you have that feeling go get help talk to somebody Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to go get professional help if you don't want to, but talk to somebody. And and if you talk to somebody and they're like, hey, fuck up, buddy, man up, that's not the person to talk to. Go yeah. talk to somebody else and and continue to, to tell your story mm-hmm. and talk to people until you find that person that will actually have a conversation with you about it, mm-hmm. like a helpful one. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of times, in my opinion, that's what happens, like especially, you know, John, I, I know you know this we're around hardcore dudes mm-hmm. and like I'm fortunate enough that my story is, is, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It's pretty hardcore, you know, sure it was it violent attack and pretty sure hardcore. But if, if it wasn't hardcore enough for the guys that we hang out with, you know, for a fact, we would get ridiculed if we'd start talking about our story, you know, like, mm-hmm. Hey, I was at a grocery store and, and this lady yelled at me and now I'm traumatized. Like you would get, sure. you'd get beat up left and right. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But, but at the same time, our circle of friends, even though they ridicule us, they still are there for us, right? Absolutely. So we have some of the same, we know some of the same people, mm-hmm. and they would. And the thing is, is like that's what you need to find. You need to find those people that they may give you crap, but they're still gonna help you, right? Like that's the that's the circle you need. And once you find people that are like, 
tight because everybody eventually at some point in their life may not be a violent act, but you're going to go through something traumatizing and you need that circle that's going to help you through it. Absolutely. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's, that's perfectly said. Um, and for me, I believe that circle starts with God. So that's, that's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. So I, I, I have strong faith. Mm-hmm. And up until this attack, my faith was, <clears throat> I have no shame in saying it, my faith was definitely waving. I was uh, wavering. <coughs> was, uh, I was not, I, I was not very long in my faith. I, I was actually contemplating whether I was a believer or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so God definitely chose that moment to step in and go, hey, I'm here and I want to be in your life and, and I want you to be saved. And I, uh, I listened this time and, and that's what I'm working on now. So <laughs> good for you. Good for you. Yeah. All right. Well, Hey man, I, I appreciate you coming on and telling the story. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like I said at the beginning, uh, you and I know each other, um, uh, from some of the training, and uh, being, being up there in your, in your area in central Florida. Yep. Um, uh, I plan on going back up and I hope to see you. I'll reach out to you and uh, maybe we yeah, can, man. maybe we can grab some lunch or dinner, uh, get to wife and uh, we'll meet up. But uh, I want to thank you for telling your story because, uh, yes, you know, in today's world, uh, there's a lot of nasty things going on and you're a survivor. You're a true survivor of something that was uh, definitely uh, could have gone the other way. All right. And, and yeah, I, man, I, uh, you know, first off, I just want to say, I, I appreciate you, you having me on. I, I love, I, it's not for me getting notoriety or anything, but I love telling the story. I do. Um, mostly because I, it gives me the opportunity to talk about God, mm-hmm. but also, um, and, and my feelings towards God. And, but also I feel like the more I tell this story, the, the easier it is for me to tell the story, the better I feel about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, if this story in some way, shape, or form, maybe it's because of how I talk about God, or maybe it's because of what happened to me in the story, or my mindset, or whatever the case may be. If there's one person that takes something from this story and it helps them in a positive way, that's that's all I ask for. There you go. There you go. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right, James. Thank you again. All right. I appreciate your time, and uh, it was great seeing you, buddy. Take care of yourself. Yeah, right? John. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. You bet, man. Hey, guys. That wraps up season number one of the podcast i want to thank james guthrie for coming on he was the last one uh that we did on our podcast with his harrowing event that took place thank you james for coming out and talking to us about that and i want to thank our sponsors of crestwood technology group ctg they supply defense and aviation industries with critical parts and materials that are designed to keep fleets and systems operational, ready, and safe. You can check out CTG at ctgnow.com. Get ready for season two. We uh, are in the process of getting uh, the podcast up and running, and it should take a couple weeks before it's all set and done. So stand by. Get ready for some good information. Take care.